Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan, and I'm here with RJ today. Hey, RJ. Hello. Hello. Happy Hi. Monday. To everyone Happy in the world. Monday. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, we're just we're just getting we're just getting going on the week, right? Seems I know. like that's what this we're time doing. of year is really crazy too. I feel like there's a million things going on this time of year. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Um, and in some ways it's like quiet, and in some ways it's not. I don't know. It's there. It's just. It's a yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird time of year. But hopefully, like it'll all be. I don't know. Like, hopefully at some point, everyone will be chill for a little bit. Yeah, I never feel super chill, but I have this, like, anticipation towards, like, the holidays and winter break where I'm, like, my job at work, school is really busy, and then I have all these, like, social events, and then I'm wanting to, like, see as much music as I can, and then I'm always working towards, like, 
the New Year's run. And so there's this like feeling of like excitement and anticipation about MSG. So um, this is a fun time of year for me. That is great. Yeah, it's coming up just a few weeks away. Um, but but first, in five days or six days, maybe we're going to be at the Ardmore Music Hall in Philly. So Megan's going to be there. I'll be there. Tom, Benji, we have an amazing lineup of musicians who are going to be playing a bunch of music in tribute to Fish Fall 97. It's going to be really fun. You all should should come if you're in the Philly area. You can go to OsirisPod.com slash Philly for information. Um, but also put the put the link in the show notes. Um, Megan, what else is going on? What else do we have to talk about? Yeah, well, before, I just wanted to say that I saw a few of the musicians that are going to be playing next week. I saw them last on Saturday night, actually, in Connecticut. I saw Christy Angelis and Cal Kehoe, and they were incredible. And it really made me excited for this week. And I was talking to Cal after, and he's really excited about it. And the musicians that are coming on Sunday, it's a pretty epic lineup. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, and Shayna will be there. Thank Yay. you. Thank you, Shayna. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, today I was like, are we explaining this show in the right way? Because it really is like, it's more like we have this group of musicians who, you know, that whole group has never played together before. And who knows if they'll play together again, but it's it's a pretty amazing group. And we'll do some talking, but that'll be kind of, you know, secondary to the uh, to, to the music. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what was kind of like what was going on on Saturday night. This band had never played together and seeing the level of musicianship, how they can play together. And it just sounds incredible. And I think that's what it's going to be like on Sunday. And it's one of those like once in a lifetime things, right? You get to see this group, this one time playing music inspired by Fall 97 Fish, which is the best. So I'm excited about it. And I think you can stream it too, right? Isn't there a way to watch it? Yes, yes, volume.com slash Osiris, and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I hope people can come out. So, um, Megan, we talked about this, like talking about a show from 92, which we're going to get into. But before we do that, there was there's a special anniversary we have to celebrate, which is oh, that no. about a year ago, Megan joined the Helping Friendly podcast, and many people who are listening or watching might think like, "Oh yeah, I thought she was always there, but but she wasn't. <laughs> she was here like last December and reached out to us and was like, "Hey, I want to help." And you've helped immensely and added so much to everything that we do. So, thank you. Thanks, RJ. That means a lot. It's been so fun, and I'm so grateful that you let me do this because I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's really it's it's great to have you and. And Megan also contributes to Osiris Premium, which you can support by going to osirispod.com slash premium. We do a bonus episode every week. You can get ad-free podcasts and a bunch of other stuff. Um, what what else? What else do we need to talk about? Can we just I get think into that it? might be it. Yeah, we're talking about a really fun show. We're talking about 12592. And this is cool because we did historical lookbacks in the spring. Benji came on and we did three episodes in March, April, and May, and we talked about Spring 92, where they had that epic 54-show tour. It's crazy. I mean, if you look at Fish.net, they played almost every single day in March. So they were just, it was incredible. Then they have that amazing West Coast part of that tour that's just exciting and thrilling, and it was really fun. And then we had Alex May on in July to talk about Summer 92, and he was at a few shows, and that was really fun. Um, Big summer for them, too. They, like, toured Europe with the Violent Femmes, and then they had Horde Tour, 
And then they went with Santana and did an amphitheater tour in the U.S. So it was a really exciting year for them. And I'm excited we're kind of like coming back to it at the end of December to talk about it. And you and I haven't gotten to talk about it at all. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, and Patrick, who's watching, is mentioning our friend Andy's first show, which, which that is in reference to the Undermine episode that came out today, 12597. I was there with Andy, our friend. Um, we went to Cleveland, Ohio together, and we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of this season of Undermine. So we're, uh, if you haven't tuned in, please do and, and stay tuned because we got some cool guests coming up, including tomorrow for the 12-6 Detroit show, which I was also at. So, um, yeah, there, it's interesting. Be sad when it's over, I have to say. It's been something to look forward to for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think those of us making it are going to be happy, but I yeah. do understand <laughs> that. I do understand. Um, yeah, this this 92, I mean, it's interesting because 92 has this like massive, you know, year, like you said. I mean, so many shows, especially summer, but also they kind of just are touring all year, really. They take like September and October off and that's it. Um, and moving toward this New Year's Eve show at, at in Boston, like it's starting to really become the the fish that that kind of like we knew, you know, going into the mid nineties. And I was thinking about it as we were as we were um, pre- preparing for this, like thinking about Trey and what he was what he had said to us about you know ninety two and about thinking like in those shows that he felt like they were doing things that no other band that you know like they were unstoppable at that time. And I was just kind of thinking about that as as I was going through this show. But the it's an interesting tour because they they go kind of everywhere, but they play two nights here in the beginning of December at the Vic Theater in Chicago, which is a pretty famous venue. There's still Humphreys just played there. Um, there, you know, everyone has played there. It's a like fourteen hundred person venue in Chicago, and I guess it was opened in nineteen twelve and then renovated in nineteen eighty three. So since like nineteen eighty three, I think it's been a pretty it's been like, you know, a pretty serious gathering spot for, for touring musicians. So, um, I think I, I went there a couple of times when I lived in Chicago, but, um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a destination. Yeah. That's so cool. I had n- I've never been there, but I've definitely heard of it and it is cool. I was thinking about your interview with Trey too on undermine when I was listening to this, because I was remembering him saying that he was really proud of how they felt when they would leave the stage during these shows. And like, I feel like there is, there's such a precision and a playfulness to these shows that is so kind of where they were, you know, they were really crisp, really clean, playing really fast. Their composed songs these year, this, these year, this year are just amazing. I mean, they're played perfectly. We're going to get into it, but like the Reba and like some of the songs during the show are just like, they're just so perfect and really gorgeous and also really playful. This is like the secret language year, you know, they're doing a lot of it. And so it's really kind of fun, especially in the spring and summer, less so in the fall, it seems like, which is interesting, but they're really growing that connection to their audience and they're playing these like thousand person venues and you can see them probably recognizing that they're going to continue to grow and play bigger venues next year and thinking about how they're going to maintain that connection. It's a really cool time in fish history. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And this is around the time, like they started touring nationally, of course, and, you know, playing these venues, these theaters, like you mentioned, like the Capitol Theater became a kind of a multi-night destination, Broome County Forum in Binghamton. There were all these, like the Palace Theater in Albany, there are all these places that they started, started going to it, they would play for a long time. So this is a, it's an interesting year. And I don't know the, the thing about the, the, that might be hard for some 
fans is like listening to these shows, like on one hand, they're kind of all the same, you know, because you get yeah. like, <laughs> like you said, they're really, everything's really well played and super tight. And, you know, this, this show has a couple jams that I think are really, really good, but it also feels a little bit like, okay, the first set is like, you know, 15 songs that are all played perfectly. And like, is that, is that that different from other, other shows? So I, I think that's probably why I haven't, I don't go back to 92 as much, but that conversation with Trey is sort of making me, making me think twice about that. I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you feel like these are all kind of the same? I mean, how do you feel about, about that part? Yeah. In the spring, when we were doing that look back, I listened to every one of those shows. That's, there's a lot of shows, 54 shows. And the shows that were different from the others, like the shows in California or, you know, those shows really, really stood out because the rest of them, they, they sound really repetitive. I mean, they're playing, you know, a lot of the same songs. They're playing all the rift stuff. You know, it just, they just released, um, uh, what did they release in February? Why am I blanking on that? They released um, the um, picture of nectar. Picture of nectar. Picture of nectar. Sorry, and then rift. So they started playing all the rift songs in the spring, and so there's just like it's all the rift songs like over and over and over again. But um, but they played really well. So yeah, I don't go back to '92 a lot either. And when I do, it's those kind of standout shows that are different from the rest. Yeah, and I mean like they're always a little bit ahead of the of the releases, right? It's like the picture picture of nectar is '92, rift '93, hoist '94. Right. But they were like kind of mixing in the songs in, in whenever they whenever they felt like it, um, yeah. which is just it kind of that's kind of an amazing run between between 92 and like, well, I guess 2000, really. They released so many albums. But um, I don't know. What do you think about the the first set here? Because we have what there's like, you know, there's like 15 songs. Right. What what stood out to you or how did you see the flow of that that first set? I mean, it's so fast. Uh, Landlady is like just right out the gate. Great opener, like classic early 90s opener. I think it's, there's like one little flub. And from then on, I don't think there's a flub in like the whole entire show. It's just this chalk dust is like crazy energy. It's interesting because I feel like it's so different from the way Trey would craft a set list now. I think he really is kind of more into like thematic flow and thinking about you know, where he wants to play songs. And it's so different now. I mean, you hear like Chalk Dust would ne- would very rarely be like the second song of a first set, you know? So it's fun to hear kind of like where they place things. The whole entire set is just tons of energy. I feel like by the time Gula Papyrus comes on, you're kind of like, okay, like we're at least going to slow our tempo like a little bit, which will feel great. The split open and melt is interesting. I was thinking about what the jamming is like in this era, especially in this show, it's a lot of like repeating phrases and then having those repeated phrases kind of build up to a peak. And it's not my favorite kind of jamming, but that's because I'm spoiled and I'm used to, you know, decades of incredible fish jamming. And it is fun when you hear them kind of start pushing things a little bit and you can see where like 93 is going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the split open melt lizards combo is is great. You know, it's like a just a nice, like the lizards at this point is just such a. It's like so perfectly played. It's a nice little break, and you know that split open melt started getting a little bit out there. But um, this is a you know it's it's sort of like a, a totally fine first set. But um, at this point, the energy is so high the whole time. I, I wonder. I mean, I just assume at all these shows, no matter which show it is, like the if you're in the audience, you're 
people are going nuts, right? I mean, this is just it sounds it's sort like of it. like it never it never really lets up. No, and the and the audience is young, right? This is like everybody in the audience is probably like 16 to like 23, right? Yeah. So it's just like there's wild energy in there. This divided sky is also absolutely beautiful. There's a huge pause, huge, huge pause. And it just, it's really, really pretty and well done. And it's so cool to see how they can kind of control a room. Even then, it's just, it's awesome. I wanted to also say to Lance Davis's comment of the Rift material, I would gladly take my friend, my friend over and over again, regardless of any era. And I fully support that. Opened my first show and was just unforgettable. I love that song. What was the highlight of the of the set for you? I'd say probably the lizards and divided sky. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Maybe the chalk dust too. It's pretty epic. It's yeah, the chalk dust is really fun. I mean, I think the I, I think it's I guess for me the just that split open and melt, which gets to like again, it's not it's nothing crazy, but it does get a little bit out there, you know, into into that chill lizards was was really fun. Um, but this whole set is, you know, I don't know, it, it's it's probably like typical kind of length, you know, you have like, every song is like four to seven minutes, except for Divided Sky, you know, and it's just like, yeah. it's, it's, they're, they're going through a lot. But I, I do think the second set is pretty unique, um, or, or it starts to get out there in a way that I think a lot of, of shows from this era don't. Absolutely. I mean, I think that this second set the minute tweezer starts, it's it's going somewhere a little bit different. This tweezer is really cool. They're just like absolutely throwing it down. They they even do like a little mini vocal jam. It's a really, really cool tweezer. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, you know, I guess we're getting into the part where the part of their career where tweezer begins to to be a little bit more of a, of a jam vehicle, right? We talk about on undermine, we talked about the, the Eureka, Eureka tweezer from the spring. And there were a couple in that April, May timeframe that, that got out there. But I feel like now we're getting into the part where like, you know, they start to get, they start to get interesting. Yeah. And they sound confident when they're playing and this turns into like a pretty cool rock and roll jam. It sounds really like aggressive and, driving and fun and then it gets really slow and it's really it's cool it's like tweezers starting to go on a journey in 92 and it's exciting yeah what um what do you think about this uh this the reba i mean because i think the reba is is the like kind of the focal point of the of the whole show i think it's just it's so it's so wild it's so beautiful it's incredible i was listening to it and Listening to Fishman, I don't know what he's doing, if he's just up in the mix or he's, but he is absolutely like giving it during this Reba. I mean, he's playing like really, really deep, like, I don't know, just like heart throbbing drums. It is, it sounds incredible and it's perfectly played. I was listening to it. I listened to it yesterday and then I listened to it again today on my walk home from work and it's truly stunning. It's a beautiful Reba. And then it, right before the whistling, just stops in that huge peak and then it stops. And then they sing, I walk the line, which is just is like so fascinating. Like what? Like so interesting. Yeah. Like, the yeah. Johnny Cash song. Like it's just, it's so funny. It was played 10 times all in almost all in 92, except twice in, um, 
in the spring, in the February and March of 93. But just so funny that they play this song. I've also just trying to think, and I'm not really a stats person and good about this stuff without like looking into it, but I haven't heard many rebas where they play another song and then do the whistling after. Yeah. 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 I think it's pretty rare. As someone who, someone should tell us, but I, I agree that that doesn't <laughs> typically happen. Um, and it's Mike's, you know, Mike's vocals and I walk the line. It seems like he's the best, the best option for, uh, for, yeah. for singing it. But what do you think about the actual song like i mean the the cover yeah it's kind of fun i mean you know it's like one of those songs that i always wonder like why they would cover this song like what prompted it like some songs you know it's like so trey can shred or like so like page can sing and like you know have like amazing keyboard solos or something or yeah. you know so they can make fun of fishman and make him sing a song he doesn't like you yeah. know there's like you understand why they cover songs i don't understand why they're covering this song maybe mike liked it i don't know <laughs> yeah it must be just mike wanted to mike wanted to do it it seems like that's cuz he's he's got like a i mean he's got a uh he's got an interesting take on it but this um <laughs> yeah. you know Going straight into like, but the the transition, you know, is is pretty cool. Like they they kind of like stop right and mm -hmm. then start start. I walk the line and then go just back into the whistling. It's a it's pretty interesting and I think is a little bit a little bit rare for that time period. And that that whole thing is like fifteen minutes, which is which is a pretty solid uh, solid for ninety two. I, I was really yeah, impressed. Absolutely, and I just think it's so funny that they were like yeah, let's play walk the line and let's like insert it after the peak and reba before the whistling. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's so funny to me, but it works in this weird way. I don't know. It works. I like it. That to me is the highlight of the show. That whole little bit, the tweezer and the reba walk the line reba. The rest of this yeah. set is great. Was there anything? I mean, the, the week of pog is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the mics is like a little chopped on the on the audience yeah. tape, which, which happens. Um, but you know, having a mic screw in like the what third quarter of the show is, is, is pretty solid. And yeah, the, the, the week of Pug has a really good, nice jam in it. Um, again, like, you know, they were just doing, they were just doing it all at this point. I mean, it's, it never really lets up. Um, I, I wonder, do you think Reba was like their biggest, like jam vehicle in this in 92 i wonder what else i mean i guess tweezer was getting there you enjoy myself maybe some david bowie's but there wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot that was really pushing them out there yeah i mean there's definitely like weekapog and bowie they start doing some type 2 jamming a little bit in stash a little bit in split open and melt um both of those songs were like really strong especially split open and melt this year so like a little bit there um but that's really it. I mean, they start doing the big ball jam. They just started that like November 19th of this year. Not my favorite thing. Um, so they're trying to think about like type two jamming and what it might mean in front of an audience, I think. And they're starting to do that. I mean, they did a fair amount in, in the shows in California, but there's not like songs that are like consistent jam vehicles. Yeah, we, um, so I got to tell you, there was a, I got to find the show here because it's, it's, it's an important part of, of the story. Um, 11.23.92, I think. Um, yeah. So when, in our interview with Trey for 11.17.97, we, we had to cut some of the stuff because it was just like for 
we just had to. So part of what we had cut out was Trey was talking about this 92 show and reading, a, a, he read a, the full set list of 11, 23, 92. I don't think that made it into the final no, it episode. Didn't. No. So he read, he, he read through the whole um, set <laughs> just, just to explain like what he was saying about, you know, they felt like they could do anything. And, and that was, you know, a couple of weeks before this. So I think this is definitely in that, in that realm of where they felt like they were really doing something that, that no, no other bands were doing. But when he was reading it, he, he read, he read out like week of pog, big ball jam. And I really wanted to follow up and like have a conversation about like, why, why, why did you do that? Because why did you do back, the big ball jam? Yeah. Because yeah. listening back to it is really like hard, but I know <laughs> that they were doing it. And it was just like, it was just, fun with the audience and you know it's it's definitely not very it's definitely not very um interesting on tape but i wanted to ask and then i realized if i asked then it would have like it just wasn't the right but that was probably yeah, my was- one my one shot to try to get get some justification for this because i feel like on tape it's really maybe maybe yeah. that's part of the purpose of it it's like it's really hard to just to take on tape i think I mean, I think that like Fish at this point was like really looking about thinking about connecting with their audience in a really strong way. I think that they played so much of the secret language and that was all about like, are you with us audience? Like, are you listening? Will you tell your friends our secrets? Will you pass this stuff on? Will you connect with us? Will you do things when we do certain things? I think that that is like, they were doing exercises like that all the time this year. And I think that it was fun for them. And so this just seems like maybe an idea that someone thought would be fun because it would be like, you know, a way that the audience is directing their playing. And, you know, it's funny because I, I I really dislike listening to this on tapes. I don't, I just, you know, skip it, but it is a part of who they are. I feel like they probably were in a place where they said yes to a lot of things at this point without really thinking about if it's something that would work well or not. But that's, it's so interesting that Trey talked about the show from Binghamton in on 1123, because if you look at the set list, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they have like a Mike's groove that's like Mike's hydrogen, we big ball jam, we hold your head up and then it lengthwise and then back and hold your head up and cavern. I mean, that's a pretty insane second half of that set. It's just the, they were doing, well, they also had to walk the line that night. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, yeah. <laughs> And it, it, he pointed out that that was the only cover of the night. Um, oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. And they have like a I vibration th- of life in David Bowie. Yeah. I mean, this this show is, it's got a lot. And yeah. all original, all weird, right? Like all yeah. weird fish stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So then they end up, after the week of Pog, they go into Hold Your Head Up, Whipping Post. And so Whipping Post was, I mean... I don't know. I guess this was like the first time they'd played it in, in, in quite some time. Um, but what do you think about, it was 113 shows. So the first time played since, since a year before in 1991, which was 113 shows, which just because they were playing so many shows, but after like 1989, they really only played this song with Fishman on vocals. I think like a lot of us, you know, at some point got the tapes or, or have listened to the early, the early shows from 85, 86, 87, 88, when they were really like, they were jamming out whipping posts, you know, 20, 25 minutes 
So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this Fishman singing whipping post. I mean, I would rather have like a whipping post jam, but maybe maybe that just is I think we talked about this one once before because I think maybe it just has fish on vocals always, except for like one or two times. So I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that that song kind of like ran its course for them, but this version is crazy. I mean, Fishman is screaming like he's giving it at all. I mean, he's super committed. You got to give him that. He's like insanely committed to this whipping post. It's definitely intense to listen to. Um, I was finishing listening to the show this morning, like while I was getting ready in the bathroom and that came on and I was like, Jesus, like it is like six 30 in the morning. Like this is just really not what I'm wanting to hear right now. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I'd much rather, yeah. Have them do like a much more classic, like jam out of that, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it might not ever happen again, but I would, if Brian were here and Brian is going to come back and join us sometime soon, I don't know when, but if he were wait. here, he would, he would give a plug to, 72599 um which is Deer Creek show that is the last time they played Whipping Post and also I mean I can't believe that show 72599 still hasn't been released right That's insane I, think, I know it, Like it needs it needs to be released it's uh it's got to be up there with like the highest ranked shows that don't have a live release um I, would think I mean so. Big Cypress is at the top of the the list of course but we learned we learned from Undermine that you're you're not you know you're not allowed to count Big Cypress in any, in any <laughs> comparisons of anything. But we got to also get this. if you're a premium subscriber, I think we do an episode where we talk about all the shows that should be released. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We do. You know that Jonathan Hart has lots of thoughts about shows. He does. That and he does have a lot mm-hmm. of thoughts, and 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 I also will say that um, attendance bias, um, Brian, who's who's watching or listening. He did seven twenty five ninety nine as an episode of his podcast, Attendance Bias. So, you know, everyone everyone loves the show, and um, we we need to get that get that released. But um, I guess that's not what we're talking about here. Um, what, what, <laughs> I don't think like the the Fishman thing with with whipping post. I mean, it's fine, but it'd be really I mean, cool they if have, they played that again. It'd be really cool. Hopefully, not with Fishman singing or just being crazy. But that you know, they love to bring. Fishman out with a vacuum in 92. He was out a lot. You know, Hold Your Head Up was probably the most played song this year. And he was out all the time. All the time. They loved it. Yeah. So it was yeah. fun. Um, I'm sure. When you when you hear the like the tweezer or the or the reba or the mics, anything from this this show or this tour, is there anything different in their sound from I know you you said you'd listen to a bunch from from spring and earlier this year, like, do you hear anything different in the sound between spring and December? Hmm. No, I mean, I think that like precision and playfulness is definitely kind of like the two things that I think of for the whole year. Yep. I think especially the longer the tours go on. I mean, I think that like they were at a point when they were playing, when they were playing really, really consistently a lot, they, they were looser and more willing to take, chances and so i think that's why you ended up having this like amazing run in the west coast in the spring but i think they still are just super tight and and really really precise how about you do you hear anything no i think the i feel like the the california shows from 
April, like the April May shows feel a little bit more, um, they might just be like a little bit more exploratory. They feel a little bit like looser, you know? They're like they're a little um, bit closer to like modern fish, which is why we probably like them. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a little bit more. Yeah. There's like a little bit more there. Um, but it is interesting. They're getting back to, you know, their home region toward the end of the year and have this big, I assume that the, the 12, 31, 92 show in Boston, that was like, you know, a pretty, pretty big deal. And they played, they toured right up until, um, I guess like the, you know, 13th of December and then took, took some time off and then did a, a four night, run um for new year's which is you know that that's a pretty big it's a pretty big deal so uh, you know they're 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 making their way back toward toward the toward the home home region for the end of this yeah and this is the biggest new year's this is their first four night new year's eve run and it's going to be at the biggest place they've ever played so it's it's pretty exciting they're definitely growing a lot and yeah really exciting time for them and i'm sure they had a lot booked for 93 that they were pretty excited about too. yeah yeah. Yeah. And they didn't, I mean, so much happened in this, in these years. It was amazing. Um, what, what else, I mean, what else about this show stood out? You know, it's just, I've been just thinking about what the whole year was like, and I think it's been really interesting because I haven't ever spent as much time as I have this year listening to 92. And I feel like I've learned a lot about where they were then. And also, what happened next and and why it makes sense. You know, I think you don't ever get to play the way you start playing, especially in like 94, if you haven't played this way, right? Like you have to play super tight, super connected, really complicated music and music that shifts on a dime and also be ready to like listen to each other in a really strong way. And it's been so cool to hear, you know, that's why that Undermine episode was amazing because to hear Trey talk about how that was such an intentional shift for them, how they felt like they've always been trying to do things that they haven't done before. And so you can kind of see why at the end of 92, beginning of 93, they're thinking like, okay, we can do this now. Like we need to find something else that will, you know, force us to continue to grow and evolve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the, the theater thing that you mentioned earlier is just, it's, it's crazy. Cause starting, starting in 93, they start to, you know, play like the, the May show we talked about, um, at, at the field house in at university of New Hampshire, they start to play like more like fairgrounds and they play at the man for the first time and wolf trap. And, you know, they play all these like amphitheaters for the first time the next summer. So this is kind of like the last, is this kind of the last, the last like tour of theaters that we get from fish. So I, you know, I wonder how, what they were feeling at the time about where this is going next, but you know, they played theaters in 93 and and some in 94, of course, but it just became a much bigger, just became like a much bigger deal. Like kind of immediately when they, when they took off in 93, which is just sort of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like my first show was like fall 94 and they, it was in a theater, but it was in a pretty big one but it was kind of a smaller town in Michigan, you know? And I think that like they were still in some kind of like areas playing smaller shows, but it was becoming more and more rare. And thinking about, you know, 93, you've got the Marat Gin in August. So like they're building up to this and where they're going to go at that point is just, I think so much changes after that. And it's, it's really exciting. And we'll be able to talk about that next year, which will be fun. Talk all about like what 1993 was about. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and they, you know, I think the song selection is the other thing. They're just like in this show, there was, it was pretty heavily, heavily weighted towards, you know, like 90, 91, 92. And that it makes sense. Like you said, they kind of just like were going through all that, all those songs. Um, and 93 looks a little bit different, but this, this tour is a, it's kind of like the end of an era in a way, which is sort of interesting because they, they really are, are in a totally different place when they come back and, and the sound too, right? Like the next, the first show of 93 is, is pages first with the piano. And like that kind of changes the, changes the sound again. Um, and they start playing in these bigger rooms. So it's cool. It's like, it's sort of the end of, of the, of the small version of fish. Yeah, truly the small and the kind of contained, you know, I think that like when I think about this kind of fish, you listen to it and it feels very like, contained and like perfected and tight and so it's really fun to think that it's going to start to like stretch out and loosen yeah. up and yeah it's just really exciting um brian from attendance by says 1992 was the last time you could probably catch them in a club it's probably true they played roseland ballroom in 92 and 93 and they're playing the msg by the end of of 93 yeah that's crazy. But, yeah i think it was 94 right 94 94 <laughs> yeah right oh, he just corrected himself yeah end of 94 but yeah they're gonna play that 12 30 94 show it's gonna be their first msg show yeah. but yeah, yeah. i mean that's crazy right like a year year and a half later they're playing in madison square garden headlining yeah yeah i mean okay so are there are there any other like do you would you recommend that people go back and listen to more 92 shows or do you feel like if you because i feel like for some of these archival shows there's like a few you know, there's a few well-known shows from 92 and people listen to them. Is there any reason to, to go, to go in more deeply? I mean, I think if you haven't heard the April California shows, I think those are like amazing. And I would definitely listen to them. Those are worth listening to outside of just hearing like the same 92 stuff. But I think it's fun to listen to a few. Um, but I definitely think those shows stand out as the best of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think next week we're going to jump forward a, a couple of years and we're going to keep, keep bringing you some sort of archival fish up until, up until the new year's run. And we do have some cool stuff happening around the new year's run. So, so stay tuned for that. But um, Megan, is there anything else we need to, I feel like we like, like fish in 92, we efficiently and precisely played our way through <laughs> this, this show. And playfully. And playfully, I don't know my our my friend Dave who texted last week and said it was a really fun show because there was a lot of good banter. I feel like the my banter was was lackluster today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep yeah, trying. Yeah, same. I'm gonna keep <laughs> trying. It's hard to get good banter going on a Monday, you know. I know it's like you're tired. You're just starting the week off. You don't have stories to tell yet. I mean, I could share a lot of stories about my weekend, but they might not be appropriate for everybody inappropriate stories are the best kind of banter. <laughs> they are they really are um exactly but you actually was that before we started recording that you that you mentioned the lcd sound system show oh yeah yeah on friday i went to see lcd sound system at brooklyn steel and i'd never seen anything like that it was just really cool because it's like electronic music so they have a dj up there but then they also had about at least six or seven people playing percussion they had a drum kit percussion set they had keyboards, guitars. It seemed like when you looked up, everybody was playing like some sort of percussion at some point. It was wild. The energy was through the roof and there was 
just never let up. Everybody was just really like putting it out. And I thought it was an amazing show. And I know he's kind of notorious for hating on fish and the Grateful Dead, but um, it was still a really good show. <laughs> well, they're, aren't they playing like tons of shows at Brooklyn? Yeah, Steel? they're doing 20. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but they like now, stopped, they like stopped playing for a while, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know that much about them, but I think they did like 10 last year and they're doing 20 this year. I know that they do, um, they play majority, like mostly the same set list, but a little yeah. bit different. I went with a friend who's a really big fan and he was like telling us all about it. And, um, yeah, it was a really fun night though. I nice. had a really good time. Yeah. It was great. Nice. That's awesome. Um, thanks for sharing. Um, okay. So I guess for those of you who weren't here at the beginning or, or might not have heard it, if you are in the Philly area or if you're around Philly generally, um, consider coming to hang out with us on Sunday, the 11th, we're going to be talking undermine. And we have this amazing band that's going to be playing a bunch of music that, that you won't hear again, probably. So, um, so check that out. That, the link will be in the show notes for that. Uh, Megan, is there anything else we need to, we need to do? Do we want to tell everybody about Sunset Lake CBD? Yes. Yes. We should, right? Yes. Okay. We really should. I think you should. You think I should? Okay. Yeah. So everyone knows that everyone here at HF Pod loves Sunset Lake CBD. They've got a line of smokable hemp products. They're for the old deadhead or for the young fish fan, or I don't know, maybe even the new LCD sound system fan. Anybody searching for a mellow yes. body high right? You never know. I mean, I think you need to chill out if you listen to a lot of that music. So CBD might be like really good for you for that. And smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but you're not going to get those paranoid and anxious side effects. Sometimes I feel like that. Um, So this is a really nice way to just like mellow out, but without that, they've got nine different strains from this year's harvest. So there's really something for everyone. All their flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And what's the best about them is that they have a farm to table approach. So you're going to get your products directly from their farm. So they ship really quickly and they have great pricing. So check them out. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use our code HFPOD. You're going to get 20% off all your products. It's the holidays. This is the time of year when you buy stuff for people. You can buy some. CBD pet products to put in your dog's stocking or give your dog for Hanukkah, or you can buy some CBD flour for friends that you want to hang out with and just have a nice like holiday chill time. So many options, CBD sleep gummies, tinctures, RJ likes the tinctures when he's traveling. So, you know, something for everyone. So check them out. Sunset Lake CBD. That was awesome. I second, I second everything Megan says and everyone who's listening and watching, um, wish Megan a happy one year anniversary of being part of the HF pod team. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, RJ. Thanks everyone. And one of the best things about doing this is getting to meet everyone that I've gotten to meet. So thank you for everybody that comes and says hi to me and I hope you keep doing it. I agree. All right, great. Well, I think we're good then. And we hope to see everybody in Philly on Sunday. Thanks everyone. Bye everybody. Hi listeners, I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. 
Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.